0: It is Road to the Cup on ESPN LA, and the United States Road to the Cup got a little bumpier in the second half of this match. Welcome, I am Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA. USA Wales reaction, 1-1 the final. Ouch. And it sometimes hurts worse the way the game flows, and that's exactly the case in this match here in Group B for the United States. The opener against Wales is a game that everybody thought, well, you gotta get you gotta get a win. I don't know if you had to get a win to get out of the group, like just end all be all. But man, you had it after 30, 45 minutes. Goal in the U for the U.S. in the first half. Timothy Weah, right around the 36 minute, and then of course Gareth Bale's world class draws the penalty and then converts the penalty late in the 81st. And the United States kind of had to hold on a little bit at the end. The game got a little stretched, and the United States. Really didn't. The problem is the United States didn't create enough. As good as they were in the first half, right? It was a tale of two halves. Everybody will say, "Oh, the first half was all U.S., second half was all Wales." It wasn't necessarily quite like that, you know, for forty-five minutes. But the U.S. did dominate the first half. Very, very good. One of the best first halves I've seen this team play under Greg Berhalter. And yet they could not create enough clear-cut chances. They finished the one they did, and by the way, Christian Pulisic's pass on that was wow, amazing, and Tim Weah with a great outside-of-the-foot finish, awesome goal, fully deserved. But after that, late in the first half, you started to see the U.S. get a little sloppy, a bit lazier to finish up the half, and that was when they needed to get that second goal. And I know that's easier said than done, but good performances Overall, for 90-plus minutes, 100 minutes by the time you added on so much stoppage time, but the first 45 especially was tremendous. If they played like that for both halves, I don't even mean, you know, the stylistically, because Wales was going to make changes after what they saw to the first 45, and bringing in Kiefer Moore changed the game, no question. And the U.S. subs did all right, but they didn't game change when they came in. So it was Wales's game at the end in terms of momentum but a 1-1 doesn't kill you it's just the way these games go right Wales feels great (laughs) even hours later as we've had time to digest this match Wales feels fantastic right now same 1-1 there if you think the U.S. is behind the eight ball quote-unquote to qualify so are Wales no question it's not as though Wales just had a dreadful first half, but they're so much better than... The U.S. is a better football team than Wales. They are. So there's, it's not all lost here. It's just the U.S. makes everything so much tougher on themselves, don't they? <laughs> they really do. Because if you just put that second goal away, then you open up Wales so dramatically, you're probably cruising to a victory. In that game you know you don't know for sure I get it but the way it was going you get that second goal and yet we really never had a chance to get the second goal did we if you're being honest not really Wayne Hennessy didn't have to make some stellar save I don't even know if he made any saves in this game the keeper for uh, Wales yes Matt Turner had a great save in the 64th minute but we'll talk a little bit more about individual performances. And uh, Turner will get a little bit of uh, my criticism coming up in just a second. But overall, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I think you've got to take a couple deep breaths back. But, yes, it does make the England game coming up on Friday all the bigger. And we already knew how big that was. Let's hope Black Friday is red, white, and blue and not red and white. After what England did in their first match, they're going to be flying high. After uh, beating Iran. And we'll talk more about that coming up with Stephen Betashore former Iranian international of course LAFC and uh, you know now with Colorado Rapids and that game just got out of hand so England's going to be flying high right ready to conquer the world now they got to feel like they have a chance to win this whole thing certainly makes game 2 tougher but the US my biggest problem with Greg Burhalter's side quite consistently is when you're not playing teams that are so dominated by you all, you know, all respect to CONCACAF, but some of the smaller, minnow type teams. And when you we are not playing them, we don't create enough clear-cut chances with this team. Now, nah, Is that tactical? Is that the players themselves? Is it the way they're playing out matches? Are they not taking advantage of certain things? I haven't quite figured that out crazy enough. And I don't think anybody, I don't think Greg Burhalter has. I would have went with Jesus Ferreira in this game. Some people look back and say, oh, Josh Sargent kind of helped set up the goal. Yeah. I would have gone with Jesus Ferreira. If you knew, like everybody said, oh, we knew Wales were going to give us 70% of the ball. Well, if you knew that, I would prefer Jesus Ferreira. Now, everybody loved the lineup. All USA fans, you know, all over social media. Oh, this is actually a great lineup. Great lineup. Great. Okay, it was. Not a bad lineup. I got no problem with Josh Sargent in there. I think he's a fine player. I would have preferred, that's all, Jesus Ferreira. But again, that's hindsight. and I'm not, I said it at the time, but I'm not going to make too much of a beef for the lineup. The U.S. did what they had to do to win this game if they couldn't get the – but the big problem with this team, and I hope it doesn't bite us in the rear of the whole tournament because it could be a short ride, is we don't even create enough chances. You saw how Wea finished it. You saw what Pulisic could do when he has his head up going forward like that. We have enough talent. I don't know how they don't create more chances, clear-cut chances. If you're a good team, that's what you do. And, yeah, you got to finish the ones you do create. I know it's tough in the World Cup, and you could say Wales was playing different. Not the whole game they weren't. Yeah, the first half, okay, we're breaking them down, trying to break yeah, it can be difficult to score, but in the second half game got even more wide open. The U.S. didn't sniff much in the second half offensively, and that's concerning. Absolutely concerning. That's what I'm, the biggest question I have going forward right now. How does the U.S. recover from not creating enough in this match to get a win they should have, and how do they do that against England and Iran? Otherwise, we're going home, and we're good, we're good enough to not go home without a doubt. You know else is good enough to not go home but might go home because I have no idea how they're going to play? El Tree. And you can go watch El Tree. Watch Party coming up. Two different locations brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Lisco. And those are going on in two different locations that you can get to. One of them is in Fullerton. And that's over in, uh, on, uh, where is that, State College Road, Biggs in Fullerton. And then also at Ola Restobar for the game against Poland tomorrow with Mexico. That's at 8 a.m. in both locations. Go enjoy those watch parties. We're going to have watch parties throughout Mexico's group stage here in this entire tournament. That is going to be fun. we still got so much more to get to. we got Stephen Betashore coming up next to talk a little bit about Iran and that situation with that loss to England and uh, what's going on with the Iranian national team after that loss. He is a former Iranian international, former LAFC, now with Colorado Rapids. All that and so much more to get to here. It's the Road to the Cup with Dave Denholm on ESPNLA. Welcome back. Road to the Cup on ESPNLA. Dave Denholm with you, taking a look at the U.S.-Wales match. Big games, really, on the day, the first big day of the World Cup. Joining me now, a special guest He is an MLS defender and formerly of LAFC, now with Colorado Rapids, played with the last couple of seasons. Steven Beta, sure joining us. One of my favorites. Beta. what's up,
1: buddy? Hey, what's up, Dave? Thanks for having me on. I miss you guys.
0: Oh, good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. We really appreciate you joining the show here on Road to the Cup. Let's get to that USA-Wales match first. Now, of course... As everybody knows, uh, Beto was an Iranian Iranian international, so we'll get to that game as well. <laughs> I'm not sure how much he really wants to relive that right now. But USA-Wales, uh, Beta, the late goal, Gareth Bale, but it still really was a tale of two halves, right? Seems like almost a fair scoreline, despite maybe the disappointment for the United States.
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, possibly the U.S. should have deserved a little bit more out of that, um, you know, a few more chances, more possession. But, yeah, a bit, bit different, tail two halves like you mentioned. Um, and just, uh, unfortunately, ending to a pretty good game overall for the U.S. Beta, it felt like
0: certainly Wales got more confident going, but it almost felt like Wales just gave the U.S. something we're not used to, too much respect in the first half. And it felt like the United States needed that second goal in a dominant first 45 minutes.
1: Yeah, a little bit of that. I also think a little bit of emotions played into it. I think when the U.S. got that first goal, they were a little bit, you know, content at that point. Let's just hold on to the lead um, and stop kind of playing uh, their game. And then vice versa, Wales, you know, coming out in the second half, being being down a goal, they kind of pushed a little bit more. And you saw that and they had to take some chances. And so um, sometimes that plays a part in it. You know, um, it, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're up one nothing. keep doing what you're doing but you just don't want to overexpose yourself if you're the U.S. So, um, yeah, overall, it was a good game back and forth. I think the guys are going to be exhausted, though. It looked like it took a heavy toll on all the players.
0: Yeah, it really did. That, that felt like a, a game that went into extra time, more so, even though it was 100 minutes. But, uh, Beta, what, where do we go forward now with these two teams? It's, it's not the end of the world. A, a loss certainly would have hurt dramatically for either of these sides. But where do they go now how, as you look at this group?
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, a draw is not bad in the World Cup. Um, you know, I remember my time uh, with Iran in the in the World Cup, and he emphasized so much: don't lose it on the first day. And so, unfortunately, you know, flash forward eight years, and Iran kind of shot themselves in the foot with with that performance. But, uh, but yeah, Wales and US—they're both still in it. A draw is not bad. Um, you know, you see some nerves always in the first game. It is the world cup it's the biggest stage um and so i think you can expect uh, a little bit more confidence from everyone going into that second game
0: we are talking with one of our favorites lafc great from the original Stephen betashore joining us here on road to the cup dave denholm on espn la beta let's take a look at that iran game you are an iranian international player uh, from back in the day actually with carlos kirosh which is interesting he was there at that time. Now he went on to a couple of different stops, Egypt among them, I think Colombia as well. Now he's back with Iran. So you have an interesting perspective. It was a tough game. My biggest problem with Abeda is I forgot Carlos Quiroz was probably going to come out too defensively. Now I know, you know, as you look at games and you think, well, England's got a good talent, you know, advantage and you don't want to get blown out. But to me, Beta, it just seems like a team should just go for it. Get into the face of your opponent a little bit more. And I thought Iran and Kirosh specifically kind of respected England too much. Forgetting the scoreline, but just come out and play.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think they they came out and played at all. A lot of times where it was just clearances when they could have kept it, they could have connected some passes. Um, I don't know if they gave... England, too much respect. Obviously, England's a a great team, great individual players, um, and they're expected a lot of this World Cup. But, you know, Last World Cup, uh, Iran's matched up against Portugal and Spain. Come on, those are some big teams right there. The World Cup before that, when I was there with them, we were matched up against uh, Argentina, who ended up going to the finals that year. Uh, And, you know, I don't think we were ever scared of any of those teams. I just think you saw a different team today from Iran, uh, one that had their not... Not necessarily the priorities uh, mixed up because it, it'd be uh, unfair to them to say that. But you could see their mind was somewhere else. And if anyone is uh, not under a rock right now, you know what's going on with Iran and the political issues and the and there's a there's a essentially a civil war going on uh, within the people and the then the government in Iran. So those players were under extreme pressure today to not play to make a statement, and uh, it's tough when you have that much pressure. The, the World Cup alone, to, to play football at the best level against the best players is tough enough, but when you've got 80 million people telling you to, to not play, to, mm-hmm. to take a stand and do this and do that, I see that taking over uh, and being a big factor of the performance today.
0: Wow, that is a great point. Very interesting perspective there, no doubt. That just makes it all the tougher. I mean, forget your opponent, but it is England too, one of the, the teams that I think can win this yeah. World Cup. Yeah. Uh, where do they go forward now then, Beta, with Iran? Do they have to kind of, you know, just keep going? Or is it the thing where – because quite frankly, they're the best team in Asia. If we're going to talk about soccer – you know, yeah. and, and certainly life yeah. is bigger and the things that are going on are much bigger than soccer, but they do have to come play. Yeah. They're, they're the best team in Asia. They're way better than what they look like today. And you, you've outlined some of those issues. But can they kind of regroup? Do they even want to? Is it a kind of thing where we will see better performances out of Iran going forward?
1: It's going to be tough, you know. Um, I do think you'll see better performances, um, but just nerves, not as far as playing the game, but nerves about yes. what should we do. Should we play this game? You know, should we say something? Yeah, they didn't sing the national anthem. I'm sure the government is going to take some action on those players, but, you know, there's there were talks about – Uh, them forfeiting the matches, uh, you know, speaking out against the government. And, you know, we're privileged here in the U.S. Uh, You know, you you can uh, protest peacefully and nothing will come of it over there. You know, 15000 people are about to be executed because they were protesting. You know, people don't like the government. They don't like the Islamic regime. And it's tough as a player because you have this platform and and everyone is looking on you to, to make a speech about it. Um, and they just want to play. And so it's it's so tough when you can't just play. You wish you could, but it's it's bigger than that for them. So I hope I hope they can do better and kind of refocus. But it's so tough to say that with what's going on with their families, their wives, their girlfriends, their moms, their sisters. You know, the, the women in Iran are so brave right now. So it's tough. It's tough what's going on.
0: Yeah, you know, it really doesn't matter when you put it that way. Frankly, I know it's the World Cup, yeah. but, you know, yeah. it is still just sports. It is still just sports. This is not life and death. And it's a great perspective, but I didn't even, you know, when we're kind of, as you said, we have a very, we're very privileged, frankly. And you don't think about those things yeah. as you're watching a game in 90 minutes. We hear about them and we know you try to follow mm-hmm. these things. But even between the lines, you try to forget. And maybe it's an, it's an escape for some people, but it can't be when issues are so big. Uh, Very interesting. Yeah, and did you face some of that when you played for Iran? What was it like? I know there's been different times of upheaval. Upheaval certainly, uh, uh, you know, over the years with Iran, and other times not so much. I mean, what was it like when you played for Iran?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely faced some of that. Um, You know, it's a a big reason why I didn't continue to get called up after the 2014 World Cup. You know, Um, I, I ended up not getting called up for four years. And then all of a sudden my name gets mm-hmm. put into the 2018 preliminary list, list for the World cup. Um, because Carlos really liked me as a player and he knew what, you know, what I was like, but unfortunately the government has a say in everything. They control everything. And so, you know, I want to say, yeah, let, let the players just forget about everything and play. But when the players speak up and then they're thrown in jail, it's tough. You know, how, how would you expect uh, one of the players in the NFL, NBA, uh, NHL? What if they spoke up and then all of a sudden the government's like, oh, you know what, we're going to throw you in jail because you spoke up. Like, it's it, it's very difficult for us, uh, you know, in, in the West, in the U.S., to tell them, just, just play. Just play. Don't worry about all that other stuff. So uh, I feel bad for them. But, um, but yeah, you know, uh, it, it is difficult. I've always my time there my time here um i always try not to make it political i always say look i'm here just to play um but right now i just think it's it's a revolution going on in iran it's not just something easy as what i what i said in the past you know you just don't just don't talk about it was my kind of mantra back then but now it's like man you have to talk about it. this is life and death i know you kind of mentioned it a few seconds ago but it is life and death to these guys unfortunately
0: Wow, powerful stuff no doubt from one of our favorite players that we've come across here on the on the 710 ESPN on ESPN LA. Uh you are one of our favorites, Beta. We wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for the perspective. Very interesting, very enlightening. Yeah. And uh we really appreciate you taking the time, buddy.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you for you know having me on and I'm excited for these next couple games with uh, Iran and Wales first and then the last game on the 29th, which I'm doing something for MLS, which uh, should be fun, but uh, the Iran-U.S. game will also be equally as fun and nerve-wracking, so I'm excited for the rest of the World Cup.
0: I appreciate that. Let us know more about that when it gets closer, and we'll, we'll promote that too.
1: Yeah, I will. we Will do.
0: Nothing but the best of you, Beta. We always like talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Appreciate
1: it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.
0: Powerful words there from Stephen Betashore former LAFC defender, still with Colorado Rapids. Really, really insightful stuff there, and it definitely makes you think, no doubt about it. We'll talk more about that coming up in the next segment. USA Wales as well, a little bit more conversation on that. And Netherlands and Senegal, a big game in Group B that took place today. That and so much more as we roll on. It's Road to the Cup on ESPN LA. Road to the Cup, Dave Denholm here on ESPN LA as we march on. And Wow. Again, very powerful words. If you just missed that segment, you can always podcast this show as well. Wherever you get your podcast, go to ESPN LA's app, which is a fantastic app. You can find it there. Powerful words from former Iranian international Stephen Betashore and uh, just about what's going on in Iran. And, you know, it makes you think, certainly. For watching the game, I'm trying to watch it as a football match, and it just doesn't matter. And you can even say it doesn't even matter to the Iranian players. And how can you blame them? You can't say, well, just forget about it for 90 minutes. It's so much bigger. And who cares how they played? You know, I was going to write in my notes about how Carlos Kiros had set up the team. And, oh, the, you know, I wonder if they should have done this. And the, who cares? Stephen Bateshore slapping me right between the eyes with really what's going on. And we know it, again, cerebrally, but. To hear it from someone who has experienced it in the past, knows Iran, played for the Iranian national team, and now what's going on there, it just, yeah, just doesn't matter. Football just doesn't matter there. But the games do go on. They have to play, as do, does everybody else, and a big one coming up tomorrow for El Tree to start off Group C in Poland, and you can go to a soccer watch party and watch El Tree with your buddies, a courtesy of ESPN LA and our friends from Estrella-Helisko. There's two locations. First one is in Covina at Ola Restobar, and uh, Biggs in Fullerton over there on State College Boulevard. So they're going to have two parties brought to you by ESPN LA and Estrella Jalisco. You can uh, watch that game at 8 a.m., of course, Mexico and Poland. And by the way, they're going to be having watch parties for every Mexico game in this group stage, including that Mexico-Argentina game coming up Saturday and uh, the Mexico-Saudi Arabia on uh, next Wednesday. We'll have all those details here on Road to the Cup, courtesy of Estrella Jalisco and all that going on for L3. So that's a big one. We'll take a little bit closer look at that match coming up as well. A little bit more on the U.S. Wales. I know as we kind of get a little farther away from it now, we've had some time and more than enough time to digest it. Yeah, it's a punch. It's a gut punch when you don't hang on for the victory, when you maybe feel you should have got the full three points. But the more I step back from the match and the way the two halves went, Unfortunately, it was a fair result. I didn't even feel like that to start the show. Right? But it was a fair result. Now, that's still a disappointment for the U.S. Because it shouldn't have been a 1-1 game. And it shouldn't have been the fact that 1-1 is a fair result. Because this should have been a U.S. victory. If that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like In hindsight, yeah, the U.S. is still more disappointed in the fact that 1-1 became a fair result because you came out so good in the first half. And that hurts. That is a tough blow, no matter how you shake it down. It it really is. There's no getting over that. You just have to get over it for Friday's game (laughs) because now you're playing England with your World Cup on the line, potentially. And that's just what what the World Cup is, right? You just have to grind and get results and get wins when you can. And when you have them, Netherlands did that in Group B, beating Senegal on a day that the Netherlands, who a team who I think can win it all, I said that, by the way, their manager Louis van Hall feels the same way, can't blame them, but they looked dreadful against Senegal throughout most of that game. Now, at times they were, uh, you could see the quality, but you could see the quality from the uh, Senegal side under Aliou Cisse, one of my favorite managers. They just didn't have that cutting edge in the final third. Sadio Mane's injury, yes, it's big, but they don't create enough chances even for Sadio when he's out there. I know it's a big loss with his injury, but this is a Senegal team that's going to find it tough to score anyway, but they were playing really good against the Netherlands defensively, getting more opportunities, and they had more chances, but the Netherlands buried two chances. Cody Gakpo, which what proved to be the game-winner in the 84th minute, on a great, great feed, a great cross from Frankie de Jong. And then David Klassen, maybe a, a score that highlights and flatters the Netherlands a little too much, but he gets it, buries it in the 99th minute. And who knows, in Group A, maybe that goal difference matters if Qatar can't find a result anywhere, right? If they just keep getting blown out, goal difference may matter. And the Netherlands get a big 2-0 win over Senegal in Group B. And again, a deserved win, because they finished their chances, what few they had. But if I'm Senegal, it's really, really a, a kick in the teeth is that second goal. I mean, you're going to you play a tough game if you can't finish chances and it's nil-nil. You can suffer a 1-nil loss even if you feel like you deserve a draw, right? If you, if you don't score, you don't have much of a beef. But it's that second goal in the 99th minute. And what is FIFA doing, by the way? Did you, have you have you noticed Mario? Have you noticed all yeah? Have you noticed all this stoppage time?
2: I definitely have. Every game, definitely have nine,
0: ten minutes. What's going on?
2: You know what I really noticed in the first half. Usually the first halves don't have too much stoppage time. Yeah. But it's been like well, five minutes most of the first. One half. One of
0: them was that Iranian injury, right? In the, and yeah. no, they gave a ton of okay. We can understand that one. The goalkeeper had to be subbed out. He was hurt. Mm-hmm. May I don't know, you know, really took a blow to the face. May have had a concussion symptom. You got to be careful. So yeah, that made sense. But you're right. All the
2: other they games, are adding like five so minutes.
0: Much. Oh, and then like 10, 9, 14, like what's going on Oh yeah, with this? Now I don't hate it, by the way, because if you're going to do it, do it in every game, right? Maybe it's the directive there. I know that the Premier League started doing a little bit more of an emphasis on, on that a few years ago, I noticed, especially first half. Because so often, Mario, first half stoppage time, you could have a guy – who just gets injured, they cart him off. It takes 10 minutes, and they're like, yeah, there's two minutes of stoppage time in the first half, right? And and their their whole thing will be, oh, don't worry. We'll add it on in the second half. Then they don't, you know. So really, first halves kind of get shortened in terms of actual playing time. So fair play to the Premier League for noticing that a few years ago. But, boy, FIFA's really correcting this year in this World Cup. And, again, if you're going to do it every match, so be it. But, boy, you better be ready. If you're a broadcaster, if, if you're Fox broadcasting these games, yikes. Because these things are going to last a lot longer than you thought they were. So, yeah, we saw a lot of that and saw that even in the Netherlands-Senegal game. A 99th-minute goal from David Claesson coming up in that group on Friday as well. U.S., of course, playing in Group B. But in Group A, it'll be Senegal and Qatar, massive game there. And then the Netherlands-Ecuador, very intriguing matchup there as well. Because the Netherlands certainly can uh, grab the group by the scruff of the neck, but so could Ecuador with a victory. And I think the Netherlands, this will be a bit of a shake you awake kind of wake up call because it wasn't a good performance. It was a good win, like anything is in the World Cup, right? We always say it. A terrible win is a great win in the World Cup, no matter how you look, if you get the full three points. But it wasn't a good performance. So... Ecuador will look at it and think, yeah, we took on Qatar. We don't know what Qatar is yet because they may be better than what we made them look like. And maybe, maybe it is the fact that Ecuador is very good. All these game twos really start to make a difference, right? They really start to show you what these teams are. Because we've seen poor performances out of really good teams. I mean, what, Spain won the World Cup the year they dropped their first game in a dreadful game. They went on to win the World Cup. So good teams will have poorer performances at times, especially in the first games. But the Netherlands got the win. And I think that was a really big step for them for their tournament, if they can kind of use it to get where they need to go against Ecuador, because that is a tough matchup. Certainly they're toughest in the group. And it was always going to be that way. Although Senegal gave them fits, make no mistake. And it wouldn't have been – this game could have ended 1-0, okay, Netherlands, same story. Could have ended nil-nil, and it would be like, yeah, it's pretty fair because Senegal certainly defended well enough. I think Mendy, their goalkeeper, everybody loves him, the Chelsea goalkeeper. I still think he plays a little bit young. He's not young, but he still kind of scares me at times for Senegal, mostly for Chelsea, frankly. Great talent, immense talent in goal. Still learning, even at his age. I think he's got some things to improve on, no doubt. But he can keep Senegal in a match. He can make a big save. Didn't uh, wasn't able to pull that off in this one. Came out a little late on the cross on the goal, but I think it was just a great ball from Frankie De Jong, really. And Gakpo, an excellent header. He he played a fabulous game, Cody Gakpo, really did. And that's what a good team does. And it's again pointing it back to the USA Wales. is what I keep talking about is the United States don't know doesn't know how to win these games yet. Right Now, a lot of these guys would have been in 2018, but not that many, (laughs) even though the United States missed out on 2018 and that was a terrible blow. These kids are so young that they still got to learn how to finish off, how to win these guys, and not just finish off 1-0. This is the kind of performance in that first half, Mario, where you should have been up 2-0 or 3-0. Wales gave you that opportunity. But the U.S. did not create enough real chances. Not really. As much as we dominate at times, and you just allow yourself to be susceptible to a world class player when you do that. When it's 1 0, a world class player can make your day miserable in the last moments. And that's what happened.
2: We all knew. When LAFC's
0: Gareth Bale. We all knew
2: Wales had a a lot of time. They had a whole half, and they were going to get that stoppage time as well, and that's all they needed, just that one chance for Bale. And, of course, he's going to capitalize on it.
0: Yep, 100%. The
2: tale of two halves there.
0: It really was. And, uh, you know, I went back and watched it a little bit more, the throw-in opportunity. It it wasn't as poor as I thought it was in the moment. I thought Wales made a great play on that throw-in. The more you watch it. Now, again— People will say they fell asleep, and that was my initial reaction. But the more you watch it, it was really a great play by Wales to take the throw so quickly and knowing what they were going to do on that. And sometimes you just all it takes is that split second turnoff by the defenders, and then you're just a, you're just a step behind, and then it doesn't really matter. A step is might as well be five steps, might as well be five hundred steps because you're going to take advantage. And Bale knew that, and Bale was in the spot. And uh, again, people are going to blame Walker Zimmerman. He had a pretty darn good game. Yeah, it's tainted by giving up a penalty that was really close. It was a penalty, but I'm saying the play he's trying to make is the kind of play a lot of people have to try to make, they feel, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And Gareth Bale got him into that position and drew a penalty and then buried it. But yeah, that's the difference. The Netherlands, despite the fact they missed the last World Cup, have got players who went for it and, and found it. And the United States didn't quite pull that off. Now, can they? Yeah. The U.S. is talented. The U.S. is more talented than Wales. Top to bottom, they were. They are. 1-1. It's all that matters. We're going to be previewing some big games tomorrow. Coming up, Argentina, Saudi Arabia. We'll see what happens with Messi and if Argentina can really get on the front foot from the jump. Denmark, Tunisia. Mexico, Poland, France, Australia, more so than just jumping into those games, we're taking a look at groups C and D as they kick off their World Cup. That's coming up next right here on the home of world football in Southern California. This is the Road to the Cup with Dave Denholm on ESPNLA. Road to the Cup, ESPNLA, Dave Denholm with you after a very busy, the busiest day so far in the World Cup. It's only the second day, and of course, we had the Qatar-Ecuador opener on Sunday. But this Monday, this is the busy day here. Uh, The first of many coming up in the World Cup, and it gets busier tomorrow with four matches. Beginning at 2 a.m. Pacific in Group C, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, and then later in Group C, it's Mexico, Poland. And we were talking about those uh, watch parties. Don't forget, if you're a fan of El Tri or if you're just a fan of beautiful football, right? You head on out to the watch parties. Brought to you by ESPN LA and our friends at Estrella Jalisco, and they're both uh, going on in separate locations. So if you uh, you know if you need to go to one that's closer to you, the first one is on Citrus in Covina. That's Ola Restobar over on Citrus, and then uh, Biggs in Fullerton. That's on State College Boulevard, North State College Boulevard, 323 North State College Boulevard in Fullerton. uh, Watch parties for that Mexico-Poland game put on by Estrella Jalisco and ESPN LA. They're going to be doing watch parties, by the way, for all the Mexican group matchups in Group C. And speaking of Group C, as we take a look at this group, it's more balanced, I think, between Mexico and Poland. It's less balanced in terms of all four. I think this Mexico-Poland game comes up at a bad time on the schedule for both because it's the first match. And I think Saudi Arabia is going to have problems in this group. I do. They're probably a little bit uh, better than people think they are. But this is a tough group for the other three teams, like in terms of how good they are. Argentina, to me, is the favorite, right along with Brazil and the Netherlands, to win this whole thing. I think Argentina and Brazil especially Either one of them could win, and I would not be shocked in the least. Argentina is loaded. It's not just Lionel Messi. This is a deeper, better team than they've had. And, of course, we saw that out in Copa America when they finally pulled that off. This team can win. They've got everything. And, oh, by the way, they have arguably the best player of all time who still wants the World Cup and doesn't have quite as much pressure on him since they won Copa America, right? Can you imagine if he had not won anything coming into this? That was the big thing. Oh, yeah, you did it at your club team. They won Copa America. The weight, you could see after they won Copa America, the weight actually come off of Lionel Messi's body physically. (laughs) So, yeah, there's still pressure to win the World Cup. It's the World Cup. But it's not like the immense pressure he would have been under had they failed in Copa America. That was almost the release valve that now should scare everybody in this World Cup that's not Argentina. Right? I mean, there is less pressure on him now in this World Cup. And that is a far scarier look because he's still the best player in the world in my estimation. And, yeah, you're going to have to come out and prove it against Saudi Arabia in the sense that you've got to a, give a good performance and just get the win. Because the rest of this group sets up tricky. Mexico, Poland, to me, one of the most intriguing matchups in the first round of games. Not just the first, you know, in the group stage, but in the first game in any group. Because I got to tell you, and I know we haven't talked much about El Tri, certainly yet. Here's your El Tri preview from Dave Denholm. I have no idea what to expect from this Mexican team. And that's the first time in my life watching soccer I can say that. You want to know Why? Because I could always expect Mexico to give 100% in every game. I think we'll see that out of this team. That's a gimme. But I always could expect them to play tooth and nail with any team in the world. They could go toe-to-toe with anybody on any day. And they've done it in the World Cup. That's why they always got out of their group every stinking time I've watched this tournament. And yet... We always knew that they just hit a wall. We know it. Round of 16. I don't know. This team could go to the semifinals, this Mexican side. I really believe that. And I like Tata Martino. I know there's been a lot of – I know. They struggled. They could also flame out in this group, no doubt. And that was never the case with Mexican sides. They could get destroyed in this group, frankly. They've been so inconsistent. But the talent is there. I know we say it about the U.S. too. These teams are similar. And I know the funny part about it is Mexican and American fans, U.S. fans and Mexican soccer, they don't want to hear that. (laughs) They don't want to be compared to the other, really. Because it's such a bitter rivalry, and it's so beautiful that way. But the teams are very similar. Now, I'm not talking about exact styles or the way they play. In terms of the potential versus reality that might happen. I I am a, a really absolutely confused by this L tree side going into this tournament for the first time in my life. I don't know that they're getting out of the group. Like I always did before. Now they do have a lot of, you know, solid uh, veteran leadership, but they also have enough youth mixed in. I don't know what to make of Ariel Antuna. Maybe it's because I thought he stunk with the L.A. Galaxy for so long that I can't get that out of my head, and he really wasn't that bad in MLS, but, right, and yet he's very good with Mexico. He can have a good tournament. I mean, you have guys, you know, like Andres Guardado. How can you not respect that guy? What's he going to give you in this tournament? Well, he always seems to give Ace Ace was terrible, terrible for Houston. Houston. I mean, yuck, right? Dreadful. The guy could come in and be one of the best players of the tournament still. I mean, you don't know. Mexican fans, the most diehard l Tree fan listening, and you are out there, and I thank you for You don't know. And that scares you silly, and it should. Because I know L3 fans in the past, yes, it's disappointing you don't get out of the round of 16. There There's been some tough matchups. But you played great tournaments overall, realistically. And I don't know, this team will probably be the worst you've seen in a while, and yet they'll probably go to the semifinals. That's what—that's what's freaking me out about this club. And that, I've been waiting forever to talk about Group C because I don't know. They could run over Poland 4-0, and I would not be shocked tomorrow. They could lose 4-0, and it would be less shocking too. I don't know. No, I know Argentina's good. I know Mexico really stands toe-to-toe with anybody in the World Cup on any given day, though. Right? Is it playing up or down to your opponents? I guess that's kind of a sports cliche that seems to have fit Mexico over the years, right? They've played up to their great opponents and punched them in the mouth a lot of times and beaten them. And then they played down to their the lessers, if you will. Whatever that means. But for me, this whole group hinges on tomorrow's game, Mexico Poland. Is that too unfair, Mario?
2: No, that's totally spot on, Dave. And you talk about being unsure about, you know, this Mexican team and how they maybe can go to the semifinals. I'll tell you what, everybody on every player on this roster, this Mexican roster, believes that they can win and take themselves to the final.
0: Yeah, they can win the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. The United States can win the World Cup. They can't. They got the talent. It's not about that. It, yes, it's a long shot, of course. Whenever I say these things, the people who don't listen to me all the time, they freak out. Like, how can Mexico win the World Cup with this? They've been terrible. How can the U.S.? They can't win. They didn't even make the World They can win the World Cup, right? Like, they have the talent. If they get on a run, we saw it with, I mean, Costa Rica, who is clearly the fourth best CONCACAF team in this tournament, right? They had a rough time qualifying. They get in. They made a run that was whiskers away from the semifinals couple of World Cups back. How do people not remember? Now, if they can do it, and if they could do it then, of course the U.S. and Mexico can do it. Mexico could win this World Cup. I'm not saying they're going to, but it comes down. The scary thing is it comes down to tomorrow for how this World Cup's going to go. Because I'll tell you what, they could put Poland on the back. Poland Poland is not as good as Mexico. There, I said it. Once and for all, I'm going to say it. They're not as good as Mexico. Is Robert Lewandowski exactly the player Mexico would need to be a fantastic team? Yes, of course. He's a great player. He's world-class. He could beat Mex- Mexico tomorrow by himself potentially. Yes, he could. And if Mexico had Lewandowski, would I think actually they're one of the favorites? Yes, I probably would. He's exactly the kind of player you want in a World Cup situation. But you got to get him the ball. Right? That's the whole thing with Senegal and Sadio Mane and the injury. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Yes, you have, you, Sadio Mane is fantastic, and he might be able to pull a rabbit up. You've got to still get him the ball at some point. I mean, we saw the United States barely allow the ball to go to Gareth Bale's foot the whole game, and yet when it really counted, he got the job done. And Lewandowski can do that, but Poland's got to get him the ball. Mexico has a much better overall team. And I know everybody likes to point at the European side. At least I think Mexico is better. That's the whole point. And everybody loves to point at every European side and say, well, look out. They're going to crush this team. They're going to crush Mexico. They're going to crush Costa Rica. They're going to crush the United States. Come on. Not every European team in this competition is worthy. Now, that's not to say that Poland don't belong here, but they're not a threat. Like, they're not a favorite to win the tournament by any means. Can they do a little damage? Yeah, that could be tomorrow. But... Mexico should come out firing on the front foot if they do that, which I believe they will. I believe they're going to win this game, and I do think they're going to have a successful World Cup. I really do. I know the qualifying has been a mess and all the, you know, there are uncertainties. Are the best 11 players that could, could wear, you know, the l tree colors tomorrow going to be on the field? No. A couple of them live right here in our city. <laughs> yeah, I'll say it. But that's that's gone. That doesn't matter. Right? We put that past us. This cup is about the guys that are there. But I'll say this. My love for LAFC will not allow me to root for Memo Ochoa ever again. So, used to respect the heck out of him. Now I can't stand Memo Ochoa as a player. And for that reason alone, if he's in, I hope they start Kota, who's a great keeper. Even Talavera, who's probably almost my age. Fine, but they're going to start Memo, I know, and I can't root for him. No more. Oh, let's get right to it. Holy cow, we're flying in this show. We got like a minute of stoppage time added on, unlike FIFA, that's been adding like four minutes or 40 minutes in every game, Mario. Quick stoppage time right here with the great Mario Reese.
2: One minute, Dave. One minute of added time here. And talking about Memo Ochoa, Memo Ochoa, along with Andres Guardado, is probably making his last hurrah here at this World Cup, playing in his fifth fifa world cup wow. appearance along with ronaldo and messi what a run what a run five five times at the world cup that's amazing yeah, yeah that is an amazing stat and
0: guardado full respect for him I still, I still i love andres guardado one of my favorites no question but messi and uh, ronaldo fifth time in the world cup and yet they still could pull off a whole lot of damage in this term i really i know ronaldo's kind of struggling with his club mario but He can do a whole lot of damage. And we know, like I just said earlier in this segment, Argentina is poised potentially to be the favorite in this thing and maybe even win it all for Messi, who, by my account, is the best player in the world and still is. So truly amazing for those four, five
2: World Cups. Talking about Ronaldo and Messi, Dave, though, uh, they have never scored in the knockout stages of a World Cup yet wow so we shall see if they can make wow. that happen in this world cup
0: well you got to get there first and then we'll see yeah you'll see we'll see how that goes portugal actually has a little tougher ride i think than argentina might in this last group well wow, wow what a show thanks so much to Stephen betashore thanks to the great mario Rees for producing this it is road to the cup i am Dave at you are listening to espn la